You're listening to the Loot Page Podcast, episode number 45. Make sure you click subscribe so you can stay up to date because I release a new episode every couple of weeks. Uh, you can also find me over on Instagram. So my username is at Luke underscore page. And if you're a coach and you're currently struggling to get clients and you want to take your business to the next level, then I can help. So um, follow me over on Instagram, send me a private message and we can chat. But um, today's episode is a really awesome one. Um, Had lots of fun, learned a lot from it and it's how to break through your limiting beliefs and step into your full potential with Dr. Jen Crispin. Welcome to the Luke Page Podcast. I am here to inspire people to live a life that they love. It's why I do what I do. Join me on the pursuit of my life's vision and my own business success through meeting amazing business owners, entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking people that are here to make impact and change the world. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Whereabouts are you from? I am in Hermosa Beach, California. Hermosa, Hermosa Beach, is it? Yeah. Where's that? Is that? I've been to like the usual Los Angeles and... Yeah, so, so it's in LA County. I am yeah. like 10 minutes south of LAX in a little beach town. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah I think... Um, I've been to, is it Venice Beach around there? Uh-huh. Been yep. there a number of times. Um, we actually got, my wife and I got, um, I proposed to my wife in San Francisco. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Have you been there before? I have. Yep. Yep. What's your thoughts on it? Um, I think it's a real, I haven't been in a while. My understanding is it's gone through quite a few changes recently, like not mm. so great changes, but yeah, I think it's happened? a really um, that it's, it's on like really downhill. So has Venice really? Beach though. Yeah. Um, there's been a real influx in crime and homelessness. And a lot of people are moving out of the city proper and wow. into, yeah, which is really yeah. unfortunate because it is such a cool little, like, it's a really cool city. Yeah. Um, very different vibes. Northern and Southern California are like two completely different. Uh, yeah. like they shouldn't even be considered the same state. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, we've been to, we've been to as low as San Diego, which uh-huh. that's right at the bottom, Diego. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is that because of like the COVID situation that it's kind of caused the, I think it was already heading that way. And I think yeah. COVID just like sent it uh, like really solidified that path. And the same mm-hmm. is true actually for LA. It's um, it, it's crazy to to drive down the streets of LA, even in like yeah. our my neighborhood here, it's always yeah. been sort of a like protected little bubble, but it, there's so much homelessness right now and yeah. seeing like, full on encampments in yeah. the parks and, and uh, it's just odd to, to see. Wow. I won't even go towards Venice. It's just not the, the, yeah. the vibe that I prefer personally. Yep. But. It's nuts. It's just like completely different worlds. Yeah. I mean, I know if you look at say where you're living, where I'm living in Australia and then let's just say you go to Africa or something. I mean, literally yeah. it's completely different worlds. I mean, we, of course, yeah. we have homeless people here, but it's, you might, if you walk through the, um, the city of Melbourne, which is where there tends to be the most homeless, you might be, you know, if you walk down the street, you might see, I don't know, four people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think I've seen videos of like in America where they, like you said, it's parks full of, it just, it, it's wild. I mean, there's Crazy. this one, um, yeah, there's this one park that's just like right by the airport, just north of the airport. Yeah. Um, that like the entire park is just filled with tent after tent after tent. I mean, like whole cities that are, yeah. are going up. It's, it's wild to see. What do you think that's actually happening? I think, well, I do think with that, I think COVID has been a big part of it. I think the the unemployment, I think 
the cost of living is outrageous. I think, um, I think there are some political issues at play and, um, you know, I honestly, I don't know enough about it to speak to it. I just kind of see like bits and pieces here and there. Um, and then like what I, I witnessed firsthand as I'm like driving down the street, Yep. but, um, it's not good. How is the situation COVID-wise over in, say, I mean, you can speak for California, yeah, because you're there. Yeah. How is it? Like compared to, say, I don't know, six months ago, is it so, better? Is it worse? I mean, I guess it depends. On, it depends on who you're asking. It depends on, you know, where someone falls in terms of their relationship to this entire experience. Yeah. Um, you know, for me personally, it, it being someone who – um, was never, I, I never had, had any fear around, um, the virus and the situation. Mm. So for me, it's been really challenging because California has been really, really restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had the most extreme mandates and lockdowns. We were the last state to lift the man, some of these restrictions and mandates, um, LA County just said on Saturday that they're reinforcing mask mandates inside. And, mm. um, and so like for that, like it's, it's been really, I think it's been really tough. It's been really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, if you're someone who, um, you know, has been very fearful of the virus, it's it probably, they probably appreciate mm. the, the approach. Um, that's not necessarily my position. I'm a little bit more, um, in favor of like sovereignty and, and, and bodily autonomy and Mm. and that. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's been challenging, but California has definitely been on the conservative end of the the spectrum in regards to policymaking. Yeah. Yeah. Did, um, I wouldn't suppose you watched, I would, I posted a story last night. Did you see that by any chance? I did. No. Um, because I, I don't, um, my views, uh, on the whole situation is like here, cause we live in a, a state that in Australia is known very strict. It's probably similar to how yeah. California is in America. Um, and I'm like, I, I actually don't follow the stuff. Like I don't wear masks and I don't follow the lockdown rules and like that. Um, but it's yeah. and, and my feeling that I get in Australia in general is that people are more, there's, it's almost like a lot of people don't trust it. Yeah. Yeah. But they still follow the rules, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. As in generally what I get more of in America, and I don't know if I'm wrong here, but the feeling that I get from when I speak to people in, in the States is that it's more like, if you don't believe it or trust it, it's almost like, oh, what the hell is wrong with you type thing. Yeah. Um, and you oh, get that right. feeling in Australia, but there's in general, you like it's not uncommon common for have me. And I, there's plenty of my mates that that believe the same as me and don't trust it and don't believe in it. Um, but there's also plenty of friends and family that are on the side, they follow and everything like that. So, um, yeah, but I mean, it's, nothing's happened in Australia, yeah? As in like as in the effect that it's had in the States, it's like nuts. Yeah. But yeah. it hasn't. Nothing's happened in Australia, really. So aside from from the, you guys have really like strict mandates, don't you? And intense, I, I, mean, yeah. I see. I mean, if, like if, fines and like all sorts mm. of like curfews, right? Like really. Yeah. Intense. You laugh at yeah. this, yeah. I mean, you laugh at this. So, um, our state, if we have like uh, like seven cases, yeah, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they will lock everyone down. Like as in you're locked in your house, you can't go out, you can't drive more than five k's for any particular. It's extreme, um, but it's that's almost the type like of stuff that scares me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I mean, look, I'm just like I'm I'm on like the fence where it's like, look, we've got an immune system, keep it healthy. Your immune system's designed to beat things. Let's not put mm-hmm. artificial shit in our bodies when we don't have to. Let's do the right things. You know what I mean? And yeah. then we'll stay healthy. That's kind of my right. belief around the whole thing. I, I hear you on that one, but you know, God forbid you say that. And then you're labeled a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a tough subject. It really is a tough subject. Ooh. Um, how are you finding? Yeah. So next level, you've been doing it for two years now, you said. Yeah. This is my second year in it. Yeah. And, nice. I've um, been a, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, go ahead. 
Well, no, it was just yeah, it was my second year. And like I said, the first year I, I really didn't do much in it. And mm. um, there was no way I was rejoining by the, at the end. And then yeah. James did that, you know, the, the event, the virtual event. And I was like, oh, he's, so great. <laughs> yeah. he's such an amazing teacher. Yeah. And I was really kicking myself for not taking more advantage mm. of it. Have you been putting more action into it this time around? So I did initially and then, mm. uh, and I launched right away. And so I've been really in like creation mode of mm, yeah. what I launched. Uh, but now I'm at that point where, okay, it's about, I'm about to be done with that creating process. And then now it's like, okay, I need to launch again. I got to like put myself back in and I can feel that like stall again. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so. um, when it, this time ran, which I think it started in like May or something, Yeah. um, I was like, you know, doing the coaching sessions each week and everything like that. Now I've kind of gone into, okay, I'm doing all this work and I've lost touch of the coaching sessions and things like that as much and kind of engaging with people. So got to get back into it. I always show up to James's calls though. Same. Yeah. Can't miss his. (laughs) Can't miss his. Can't miss his. Is that a djembe in the background for looks or you you actually bang it? Yeah, no, so actually, well, my boyfriend does. He yeah. that's his. And he, he's taking lessons and he he bangs on it. Nice. I, I don't quite yet. Yeah. You're not you're not there yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet, but I'll yeah. I'll listen to him banging on it. <laughs> I was like, you know how you have um have you got kids at all? I do, I have two of them. Yeah. It's all right, because I, I grew up playing music and I was like a guitarist, so um I used to um, you know, I think back to when I grew up, my parents and I would have like the amplifiers and like my parents would just let me play with the amps on. I'd never say, turn it down. But then, um, I was thinking like when we have kids, I'm like, oh, you probably don't want to have your kid, the kid that's the drummer. <laughs> right. I know. So my next door neighbor has a kid that's a drummer and it's yeah. a, you know, the, I'm very split. Sometimes I'm like, yes, you know, encourage the music. And then other times mm. I'm like, I'm trying to record a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how do you, how old are your kids? 10 and eight. 10 and eight. What's it like growing a business with two kids? Yeah. So it's, it's, Honestly, I think it is challenging and I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah. So my girlfriend and I, uh, we have this conversation often. I think that there is, I think it's just easier to do it when you don't have, it, when you don't have kids, yeah. you just naturally, you have more freedom, you have more space, you have more ability to, um, you know, your, your business is your baby. And so you get to grow it. Uh, and then you know, the difference of, you know, when you have one kid versus two kid, right? Like your, your energy, your attention, like what you can give to one is naturally going to be different Mm. um, when you have two or three. And so there is, there's just some, you know, I schedule everything around my kids' schedules and I'm, I'm limited. It's Mm. especially for me. And some of it is like my own hangups, but like, showing up on social media. Like I just don't do it when I'm with my kids and there are some Mm. people that are great about it, but I'm like, okay, this is my window when my kids are at camp or they're at school and I get to, that's when I see my clients and I do my work. And then when my kids are home, I'm, I'm done with work. Mm. Uh, I'm also a lot older and like, I just don't have the stamina that I had when I was in my twenties or even in my thirties. And, and, so I'm like, oh, it's, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, I'm done. I'm done with work for the day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. How many hours? Of work, yeah, how many hours on average do you think you're working per week? Uh, well, it's a little bit different now. Um, you know, I, I see still one-to-one clients. Um, yeah. the, the most I'll see is 10 clients a week. Mm-hmm. And then um, the rest of the time. And it depends, right. If I'm like in a career, like right now I've been really deep in a creation mode where I've been creating this new course and, and doing all of that. So my hours have been, I've been giving a lot more to it. And once that's done, I'll shift my energy and it'll go more into the marketing aspect. Um, but I, I maybe 20, I'd say 20 to 25 hours. Okay. So for me, how long you had your business for? Well, the different iterations of it um, yeah. have, it's been 11 years this month, yeah, right. actually. So July basically, of 2010. 
since the kids, like you started this thing before the kids came along, what was the, yeah. what was the, and I'm just asking all these questions because a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, coaches that listen to this that are mums or parents yeah. or maybe planning mm-hmm. to be. Um, and it's a, you know, building a business is challenging and hard enough, let alone having mm-hmm. challenge of kids. <laughs> yeah. So um, what would you say like the hardest age area has been with the, like as mm-hmm. in building the business and having the kids, like are they, is it harder now? Is it harder at the start? Mm-hmm. rough age where yeah. it's like real tough yeah I think uh well I think each I think each developmental phase brings its own unique set of challenges both raising children as well as raising a business yeah and so like is one harder than the other not necessarily they're just different. And so when you're, you know, with with an an infant, I was, I was pregnant with my son when I officially opened my, my business back in July of 2010. Mm. And so that phase of my business was still, you know, still getting my, my roots established. I was still getting my name out there. And at the same time, I was learning like, what does it mean to be a mother? How do, what am I doing with this? Yep. And now my kids are older and they have more autonomy. Um, but with that also comes more, um, you know, there's a, there's a different level of emotional um, needs that my kids require of me and mm. helping them to navigate being little humans and navigating their social dynamics and their social relationships. And now I'm like schlepping them from, you know, one <laughs> activity to the next and, so it's always just, I think, you know, growing along with the the challenges and the pains because mm. you, you never, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Did you, did you say schlapping? Schlapping, yeah. What's schlapping? Schlapping. Schlapping as in that. Is, no, no, not slapping. Not slapping. It's a, it's a, no, it's a, it's a Yiddish word for a like, Yiddish, yeah. um, Gosh, I don't even know how I would translate. It's like you know, like driving from one place yep. to the next, and like, okay, you're like yeah, yeah, packing yeah. up all your stuff, and <laughs> you know, it's a it's a schlep. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was slap, you know, like because I'm like slapping them from one thing to the next. So I'm like, get to yeah. school, <laughs> get to your sports. Schlapping. All right, I haven't heard that one. I like it though. Um, now your transition, right? So from when you first started your business to mm-hmm. now, what yep. was who were you helping and what was the direction at the beginning? And then talk about the kind of the transition to where you are now and what you're doing, who you're helping type thing. Yeah. So, so my, uh, my, I'm classically professionally trained and developed as a psychologist. Hmm. So I, I, I went to school, I went the path, I have my, my doctorate in psychology and when I first started out, I was building a private practice and doing traditional therapy. And my, my practice evolved many times over, um, originally starting out working with young women, uh, doing a lot of work with adolescents, um, a lot of work with eating disorders. And naturally, because uh, I was also really young, I think, for the profession, I was yeah. in my late 20s. And at that point in my career, I still was able to identify and connect with adolescents. How are they? Uh, how old, yeah, sorry. How old are they normally like when you're, you're in your late 20s? Like, what are you, what's the average age? For a psychologist? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what an average age actually would be. I found that with my when I went to school, the field in general, I think attracts a lot of um, second and third careers for people. Okay. A lot of, a lot of the people that I went to school with were, uh, were, were empty nesters, were moms who raised their children and their children went off to college and they didn't know they had nothing, you know, they weren't sure what to do with themselves. Yeah. And so they were going back to school to start a new career or, people who had gone through massive life transitions. And I think same with like coaches, right? People who, who go through an experience 
And from that experience, they find some purpose and they want to be able to give back and help others. And so there were a lot of people who uh, found that calling that as they matured, as they aged, they realized that they had more value to offer. And yeah. so they went back to school to, um, to, to foster the education around how do I actually help someone else? So that was what I did for, for quite some time. And I built a really successful practice and, um, at a certain point, uh, it was really when I was pregnant with my daughter, I had kind of reached a, a ceiling with my practice and how much I could, how many clients I could see and really how many clients I wanted to see. That was one thing for me that choosing my profession and choosing my career before becoming a mom, mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared for the, the shift and the change in values and desires that I had. I always, you know, before having kids, I always saw myself as being like, I was going to be, I was going to be working and I never wanted to be a stay at home mom. And that didn't feel like it was my path for me until I became a mom and realized how, how precious that time was with my kids. And I didn't want to be in my office as much. I didn't want to be seeing as many clients. And so at that point I did what was what most therapists do, um, which is I started, I took on interns. And I started supervising because again, I had this practice, it was full and I'd reached my ceiling, you know, with one-to-one -one work, there's only so many people you can see before that's it. You don't have any more hours in a day. Mm -hmm. And I had reached that point. So I took on interns and was growing my practice that way. And again, with every, every new challenge, every new opportunity brings new challenges and new invitations for learning more. And I realized through that process, I loved mentoring. I loved teaching like these budding healers. I didn't like being an employer though. I didn't like, um, the process of like having interns and being their supervisor, yeah. but it was really valuable for me because it showed me this whole other side of me, which was the teacher. And that started me down uh, a path where I, I, I opened, I guess you would say a new, uh, a new avenue in my business where I was providing business coaching for therapists nice. and yeah. And I, cause I loved it again. I loved mentoring. I, the, the field of psychology, hmm. um, doesn't teach you how to run a business. And there's a lot of people out there with these skills to help other people, but they don't know how to share it with others. And so that was something that I really enjoyed doing was teaching the systems and teaching the methodology for how do you go about establishing a name for yourself, creating a profitable private practice. And, and that also, you know, brought with it its own challenges as well. And coming up against, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, um how do I want to say this? Within the field of psychology, again, we're not really taught to think big. We're not really taught to um, necessarily value prosperity and wealth within ourselves. And, and for me, that was a big part of my story. It was a big part of my journey and why I went down the path that I went down. And I found myself wanting to empower others to want that for themselves when maybe they that wasn't necessarily a priority. And so again, I saw that there was this area that was sort of out of alignment for me in doing this particular type of coaching. So just so I get this right. Yeah. So you were like, yeah, you're basically going, oh, I'm going to help therapists build their business. So mm -hmm. you're focusing on the strategies, the systems, that type of stuff. But then you are also getting like, oh, I need the psychology behind it. I need the mindset help. I need the empowerment, but then, sorry, they weren't saying that you were like, you need that, but they're just like, give me the strategies and the systems type thing. Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, you, you know what it was, it was actually more, um, so, so within the field, I found myself coming up against a lot of, believe this, believe it or not, a lot of harsh judgment from other therapists, a lot of, um, you know, the, the shadow side of the field in general is, um, very critical of others who are shining very bright. So, right, yeah. you know, I kind of, I came into this space of like, let's, you know, 
charge what we're worth. And, and there was such a discrepancy, right. Of there's a, there's a coaching industry where there's no cap whatsoever on what a person can charge. Um, and anybody can decide tomorrow, I want to be a coach and they can create a website, put themselves out there and start charging however much they want. And then you have this, the field of therapists who have invested years of their life, hundreds of thousands of dollars in their education, learning these skills and tools. And you tell them to ask for a hundred dollars a session. And they're like, I can't do that. Mm. Yeah, well. Right. And so, so I was finding myself in this, um, this space where I was trying to hold and navigate these two very conflicting um, energies. Yeah. And, and so again, I realized, you know, this wasn't fully in alignment for me. And this showed me also that it, it wasn't just the, the business coaching for therapists, but it was really something bigger to do with the field of therapy as a whole. And this was my own process, right? This is nothing to do necessarily with therapy, but kind of leading back to the original question of like where I started versus where I am now and who I'm serving now. Mm. Um, and so all of this to say, you know, it led me down a path of like really exploring, like, how does one actually heal? How does one actually create transformation within themselves and within others? And how do I take my passion for, for helping people down this path? And so this led me to, um, to starting my, my coaching certification program which was where, you know, for me, it was, it's about empowering people who know that they want to help others, right? Again, like I said, anybody can decide tomorrow that they want to be a coach. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who are coaching, who have had maybe had a transformation. And so they, they want to give that to someone else, but they don't necessarily have the training. They don't necessarily have the skills. They don't have a foundation of, of knowledge for how does real change and transformation actually happen? Um, and because again, like I, I love helping the helpers. Yeah. I, I love empowering the healers. I really do believe that, um, you know, when the ripple effect that happens, when you create a change within yourself, which then allows you to support someone else in creating a change. And, you know, there's no cap on how far that impact can go. Um, and so for me, what I do now is it's, you know, I support coaches really um, who, who want to make a real change in someone else's life to learn the skills, because I think that that's ultimately what will determine how successful someone is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, a couple of things came up when you were talking. The first thing is jumping back to being a parent. I, I think yeah. I said, what's the tough things about it? What's actually the biggest advantage by mm. you being a, say, if you're a mom compared to mm -hmm. building a business compared to someone that's not a mom building business, what advantage do you have? Yeah. So I think that, so I'll take this back to the healing process. I have oftentimes said, I, I do feel like I have an unfair advantage um, in regards to um, like really understanding and really internalizing like how one heals through through love. And there were certain things that in my own personal journey, my own healing journey, I wasn't able to access it yet. And it wasn't until I became a mom and my heart exploded open and I learned um, the true strength and, and vulnerability that comes with loving another person, which allowed me to, again, to access deeper levels of love inside of myself. And, and my whole foundation, I truly, truly believe you cannot give something that you don't have. And if you are wanting to create change for another person, if you 
are wanting to empower someone else, you have to go first. And Mm -hmm. for me, becoming a mom allowed me to, to go down that deeper healing path that I couldn't, I couldn't do. You don't know what you don't know. I didn't, I didn't know how to offer myself love and tenderness and understanding and, and seeing myself the same way that I could see my little babies, right? The pureness, the joy, the, the truth of who we are as we enter this world. I didn't have that capacity until I became a mom. And I would find myself in, in situations, you know, with clients, like trying to express to them, like this, this truth of like their pureness and, you know, underneath the the stories, underneath the limiting beliefs, underneath the limitations that we pick up along the way. Um, And I could believe it so, so solidly because there, I could look at my children and I would never in a million years, look at my child and think even for a second you know, some of those limitations that I had put on myself. And so they were a mirror for me. Mm. Um, so I really think like that is an advantage that you can't even, again, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty big advantage to have. (laughs) What would you say your philosophy is for, because if you had to sum up what you do, is it, you know, helping people step into their potential? Mm -hmm. Like what's your philosophy and doing all that? Yeah. My philosophy is embodiment. I think that we, um, we as a culture, um, in, you know, my own training and my education, an overemphasis on mindset and thinking. And I really do insight is great. It's the first step. Awareness is important but it can't stop there. I think that whatever it is that we are looking for in our life, whether it's healing, it's, you know, deeper, uh, you know, trauma work, or it's building a successful business, it's not going to happen by thoughts alone. It happens when we embody the, the version of us who's already living it. And so for me, like my philosophy is creating that bridge. How do I, how do I move energetically into my body so that I'm not just thinking about ideas and concepts, but I'm actually becoming the wisdom of those ideas and concepts. So let's just say that, you know, we've got, because everyone listening to this is most likely going to be building their business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've got, well, I want to be, let's just say uh, their goal is to be doing $100,000 a year, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I'm a $100,000 business owner. I'm a $100,000 business owner. They write down, I'm a $100,000 business owner, da, 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 da. So you're saying as in that's a mindset, just kind of doing those type of practices is a mindset thing. But the next step is embodiment. Yeah. So let's kind of go a little bit deeper with that. Um, because everyone's going to be wanting me knowing, okay, sweet. Yeah. I'm doing all those practices, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. And Jen, I'm doing those. I'm writing down my goals and all that type of stuff. (laughs) So how do I actually fully embody this? Yeah. So I'm a big version or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm a big, big believer that it's not just about what we do, but who we're being as we're doing those things. Cause there's, and we all know this, you can have every single strategy in the book and you can be doing all of those strategies and not seeing the mood, the needle moving at all. And so, so the embodiment, what does that actually look like? Well, the first step is the first step is awareness. So noticing I set a goal for myself. And if you're like majority of the people, if you're like, you know, 99.9% of us, you set a goal and somewhere, somehow, some part of you is like, uh-uh, nope. And there's a limiting belief that comes up, right? Whether it's, um, you know, the reasons why it can't happen, whether it's the excuses that show up, whether it's, um, you know, the old stories and identities that we carry that prevent us from actually following through and stepping in. 
So then the work becomes energetically, and this is embodiment for me, um, going in at a somatic level, like really working in the body, because what we know is that the body stores all of this energy, the body store, when you have a limiting belief, there's a system of triggers and responses that are happening within the cells of our body. And most of us are not even aware that this is happening because it happens so automatically. And the unconscious mind is so proficient at what it does. And we have all of these filters that are in place in our unconscious mind so that it, it happens. And we, again, it's, we don't even realize that it's happening. And so the first step is peeling back the layers and really looking honestly. When I set a goal for myself without judgment, without attachment, what are the limiting beliefs that show up for me? Louise Hayes has a, a, a beautiful quote that I live by, and I could say this is my philosophy too, that if you want to clean the house, you have to see the dirt. And what this means, right? Most of us, we're so overemphasized on positive thinking. We're so overemphasized on like, I'm going to just like, you know, do my affirmations. Well, I can do my affirmations, but if I have a, a ticker running in the back of my mind, that's going, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. Or you think that, you know, whatever it's saying to us, that's what's really going to be determining the physical experience that we have in the world. So we have to go to work on a somatic level neutralizing the energy around the limiting beliefs, around the stories that we tell ourselves. And there's a number of practices that we can do for this. For me personally, I'm a really big fan of emotional freedom technique. Yep. Um, are you familiar with it? I don't know. By words, no, but okay. let, let's yeah, share it. Yeah. So EF, it's no, also known as EFT, or you may have heard of it as tapping. Tapping. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. So, so what tapping does is it, it, again, it's built on this philosophy of you have to, uh, if you want to clean the house, you have to see the dirt. So whenever we have a, a, a limiting belief, whenever we have a, a story that shows up for us, whenever we self-sabotage, um, again, the operating system that's running in the background is uh, it's an activation of our nervous system, right? That part of our body that was designed to keep us in survival, the fight or flight response. And in its, uh, in its beautiful design, the way it's intended to be, right? It, it saves us. It keeps us from harm's way. Problem is for most of us, we have an overactive nervous system and our uh, our, it's our amygdala, the part of our brain, that's like the fire alarm that turns on and says like, Hey, danger, you know, rather than turning on when we're being chased by a tiger, it's turning on when, you know, the, the email notification comes on or when we can't find our keys or when we think about doing a post on social media, or when we think about hitting that six figure mark, mm -hmm. all of these things are activating the nervous system. And again, Whatever's happening energetically in the body, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, is what we're going to experience as like the physical manifestation in our life. So what EFT does, uh, and it's amazing if you're, I highly, highly recommend uh, doing some of the research uh, or like looking into the research that's been done. Um, what, what it does is it turns down the volume on the nervous system and quite literally neutralizes the, the internal energetic response that you have to any given situation. And when right. we come from a neutral state, we are then supported in higher level consciousness, higher level, like ways of, of thinking and approaching situations where now we're in alignment, right? Because for most of us, there's, there's a lack of alignment that happens when we say we want things but then our insecurities um, are, are not congruent with that and our behaviors and the self-sabotage, right? All of this is out of alignment. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you do something like tapping, you create that neutralization, which allows those things to come then into alignment. So you can move forward from a place that's more anchored and more solid, which will then support you in actually creating what you want. 
Um, I love EFT because it's simple to do. Once you learn the technique, you can do it on your own. You don't necessarily need a facilitator um, to support you through it. And uh, that's one of the reasons, because, you know, again, empowering people to, to be able to actually use tools in the moment that are going to get them what they need. Um, I also, breath work is an amazing embodiment practice. Again, moving energy, creating a state within the body that mm. is in alignment with what it is that we say we want. Yeah. I've done a, um, I don't know if you know her, Stevie, Stevie, what's her last name? Stevie Wright? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done a um, podcast with her and she she did like a breathwork exercise. She's really cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, she does a very similar uh, breathwork uh, that I do as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazily effective. Like it's it, nuts what the effect it has on your body. I mean, think about like the breath is your body's primary way of knowing you're safe. It's true. So, yeah. So if you're, if yeah. you're being really fast and shallow, it's like, well, it's telling yourself that everything's speeding up and racing. There's danger Yeah. as opposed yeah. to the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I will say, I feel like this like ethical call to like um, breath work is becoming more and more popular and specifically a type of breath work um, that creates the altered states of consciousness, which is awesome. And I love it. And there's, I've, it's been such an integral part of my journey and like accessing new levels within me, new layers, you know, outside of me, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also something to use discretion with, cause it's not appropriate for everybody. And you know, with these altered states of consciousness and these breathwork practices, you're essentially putting yourself into a state of hyperventilation, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if you have any sort of like uh, anxiety or um, trauma, like to just make sure that you're doing that work in a way that's really supported. Um, As in with someone? I would, yeah. Yeah. Especially if there's trauma involved. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is why I think EFT, it, like it's so safe and it's okay. so easy to do. Um, yeah. and so usually that like primary tool that I give to people, like, here's how you create really quick alignment. Yep. Um, but breath work is amazing for having like really powerful emotional breakthroughs and healing. What could happen? Say someone's gone through some really deep, you know, effective trauma and then they do breath work and what could possibly happen? Like what happens? So again, this is something I real I feel really passionate about. And it's part of why I do the work that I do with the coaches and, and teaching coaches. Um, because, you know, there's so, again, uh, you know, so many people have taken a breathwork session themselves and they had this powerful experience. They're like, oh, I want to go do that with other people, right? We want to share yeah. the gifts that we've been given. But what can happen is you can crack someone open. And if you don't have skills and you don't have tools to be able to contain trauma and to contain someone, um, you can re-traumatize. Mm, okay. And so, so I think it's really important for coaches to use discernment and to, to use integrity in their practices. And, you know, it's really important that if you are feeling called to, to work in a particular way, that you take the necessary steps to, to get the training, to get the support that you need mm-hmm. to be able to do it in a way that is conscious and in a way that is ethical. Um, and I'm not necessarily one, like, I don't actually think that, like, I don't, I don't think people need to have a degree in psychology to be amazing, amazing healers. But I do think that everybody, coaches, um, healers, they need to be doing their own work. Yeah, They need to be working with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, that's how we keep ourselves in integrity. A hundred percent. I mean, it's like anything that I believe that you're teaching and we all have to have a coach ourselves. I always say, how can you expect people to pay for your stuff if you're not paying for anyone else, you're not investing in anyone else? It's very hypocritical. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, unless you are not interested in growing, 
you got to have a coach. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So getting back to like the limiting belief and this, I, I caught this. So it's like getting back to that goal. You got this coach building their business. They're like, you know what? I'm going to, my goal is for the next 12 months to be doing hundred K. They're like, I'm a hundred K coach um, by, you know, the 20th of July, 2022, I'm going to have a hundred thousand dollars made hundred thousand dollars. So they're writing all that stuff down, but then they've got this limiting belief where I'm like, I'm not good enough to be a coach. Like who mm-hmm. am I to be? A coach? I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. So that's the, their intention is to make a hundred thousand dollars. They got a huge limiting belief basically saying, well, you're not good enough to hit that goal. So you're saying by basically doing these exercises like tapping, it almost gives you a gateway to get past the blockage being that huge limiting belief that really is, you know, you could be following all the strategies in the world, but if you've got that limiting belief, you're not going to ultimately take the appropriate action or like you said, be the person fully embody who you need to be to be doing a hundred thousand dollars. So that's exactly, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, you know, the, specifically because again with limiting beliefs like we go like there's a lot of uh mindset work that is typically taught and Mm. for me like mindset is great but it's very limited it's only going to take you so far we have to get under the mindset and into the into the energy into the body of where this limiting belief came from that this limiting belief was picked up along the way somewhere, somehow you didn't come into this world with a limiting belief and actually meeting yourself in that place and healing the origin of the limiting belief is what will allow you to like really take the lid off of your potential and the exponential growth, the quantum leaps, all those things that we talk about. That's what embodiment and that's what healing mm. and success for me really is about. What's a common limiting belief that say someone's growing their business? What's like a common limiting belief that someone has that's stopping well, I you? think, yeah, especially for coaches, I think the biggest one is imposter syndrome. Okay. Is there like, I think it's that- um, you know, the tapping, is this, mm-hmm. I know this is a podcast and we, we can't see each other. We only hear. Is there some way you can kind of explain and give you know, everyone a bit of insight into what to do. And let's just say imposter and a big one, right? Yeah. Um, so say for coach, it's like, well, you know, I, I want to build this amazing business, but who am I to be coaching people, yeah. helping people, charging these prices? So is there something so the, that you can explain around the tapping? Sure. So the way that we would work with this with, uh, and I'm going to do like a really big, like bird's eye view overview of this, um, but the first thing you would do when it comes to tapping, working with the limiting belief, and we'll just say, who am I to do this? The first thing you do is you tune in energetically in your body and rate that feeling. How intense does that feeling feel on a scale of zero to 10, zero being, I have no, there's nothing here. 10 being like, oh my gosh, this is so intense. And we tap on things that three or higher, you want to tap on it. Okay. Um, Why is and that? again, we do this. So, so we do the rating because this is actually an empirically validated process. It's something that has been studied. It's been approved by the American Psychological Association for the treatment of trauma and, and PTSD and, and veterans. Um, so again, we're not just like throwing darts at a wall, hoping something will stick. We're actually like measuring and working with something And again, anything above a three means your nervous system is turned on, right? You're not in a state of neutrality. And ideally we're wanting to, to live our lives and make decisions from a place of neutrality. Like we all know that we're going to make a better choice if we're coming from neutral from than if we're coming from like, you know, heated, intense anger, anxiety, rage, all of those feelings. So first thing we do is we just check in, give ourselves a rating. And then when I think like, who am I to be doing this work? How intense does that feel in the body? From there, the next step that we do is we start with what's called a setup statement. And a setup statement is, um, it's where we acknowledge what it is that's present for us. And we take an aspect of personal responsibility. So 
I'm not going to get into all of the, the psychological concepts behind it, but just um, like the general idea is it's something called a psychological reversal. So the setup statement, we chop on our karate chop point. So the side of the hand, and we, we say it's the same statement every time. And we would say something, any like, side, even any side doesn't matter. Yep. That's the beauty of tapping. Also, you can tap um, any hand, any, like any that you can't do it wrong. Yeah, okay. But you would start with the setup statement and the setup statement is even though, and you fill in the blank with whatever you're tapping on. So even though, even though I don't believe I'm someone who could or should be guiding others to transformation, right? So I'm acknowledging mm. what's here. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Like this is the reversal piece. So I'm accounting for, there's a psychological reversal that's happening um, and taking personal responsibility. Now, sometimes people get hung up on that part that I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And they're like, but I don't. And I would say, say it anyway, right? <laughs> we're, yeah. we're creating the, with every tap that you do, you're sending electrical signals to your body and to your brain. If you are someone who's like, I can't do it. If it's so far from the truth, maybe you say something like, even though I don't believe I'm, I'm worthy and deserving of doing this, I'm, I'm willing to love and accept myself, right? You say it in a way that you mm. can, I highly recommend just saying yeah. the set of statement as it's designed. And again, I, I pull from the clinically, um, the clinical protocol, which is even though fill in the blank, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And you'll do that three times all while chopping up, chopping, tapping on this karate chop point yeah. from there. Just um, quickly, can I just jump in? Yeah. Is this external light? Like you're saying this out loud? So ideally, in the most ideal setting, you're going to say it out loud and you're going to say it with as as much emotion like as is true. Like you really want to tap into the energy that is present for you. Mm. So what we're doing, what we're doing with tapping is we're bringing up the truth. We're bringing up what's already there right? I don't feel like I'm good enough. This is living inside of me and my body. And I can try and tell myself that's not true, but there's a voice that's going to be like, yes, it is. And you're going to be in a ping pong battle the whole time. So we bring this up. We acknowledge this is present. This is here for me. Let me speak to this. So I'm acknowledging that it's true. And then I'm going to tap on it again, sending these electrical impulses through my body, which turns down the activation of the nervous system, specifically the amygdala, which is responsible for turning on the autonomic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response. So what happens is we tap while saying this thing that I feel that I feel so bad about myself for. And I tap on it, sending these electrical signals until now I can say this thing and I have absolutely no response to it. Right. I can say, I don't feel good enough. And rather than having that, like, oh my God, like sinking pit in my stomach, right. It's the same thing as if I said, oh, like I have a white desk, right. There's no reaction to it. So we're creating neutrality. So you start with that setup statement from there, you're going to tap on a sequence of points and the points are, again, people can't see me, but it would, it was the inner eye, like right by like where your eyebrow is on your forehead. So you would tap here and then you go to your outer eye, underneath the eye, under the nose, to the chin, you go to the collarbone. There's a spot right under the arm for a woman. It would be like where her bra line is. Mm -hmm. And then the top of the head. And this sequence is if you would tap on it, each of these points and each time you do, it's considered a round. And as you're tapping, you're saying, whatever's present for you. So you're going to say, I'm tapping on my, my eyebrow point right now. I don't feel like I'm good enough to be coaching and move to the outer eye. Who am I to be doing this work underneath the eye? Who do I think I am that I could actually help someone else under the nose? My life is a mess. How can I possibly expect anyone else to listen to me? Right. To the chin, um, if I, if I put myself out there, people are going to realize I'm a fraud, right? And you go through and you tap, just 
speaking out loud, again, speaking the truth of what's already there, but rather than it being inside of you, carrying all of this energy, Mm -hmm. we're bringing it to the surface and we're clearing all of the energy, all of the emotion that is attached to it. And again, a lot of people are afraid to do this work because we've been inundated with this toxic positivity around, like, I can only think positive thoughts. And if I think something negative, that's what I'm going to attract. But the truth is you're attracting what's being guided by your unconscious. And if your unconscious is like, I'm not worthy, I'm not Mm. good enough to be doing this. That's what you're attracting. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing it up and we're speaking to it while clearing it. And what happens inevitably, there are different layers of this. I mean, the results are instant and mind blowing but you bring it to the surface and you start tapping. And after a round or two, you're going to start finding, hearing yourself saying things like, well, maybe it's not entirely true that I can't help anybody. And, you know, you start to, once that, the state of neutrality comes in, once the energy is cleared, you're going to find yourself naturally tapping on the positive affirmation, tapping on more truth or the other thing that happens and where this is really powerful is you reveal another layer, right? Because oftentimes like that limiting belief that we might know is on the surface is just the tip of the iceberg. And underneath that are memories, are, um, you know, deeper wounds that we carry that we might not be as, uh, as connected to on a conscious level. And so we clear the energy around what, what we are aware of and we bring up something, a deeper level for us to heal. So again, like we're really going in, like this isn't superficial. This isn't, um, you know, and I, and I want to be mindful because I, I, again, I do have a respect for mindset work, um, but there's only so far that the mindset will take you. And when you start to move into the body and when you allow an actual transformation to occur, on an energetic level in within your nervous system, like that's when you get to do the really powerful, deep healing that creates the life-changing, um, you know, experiences and success that we're all calling in. So you're saying when you say rounds, rounds mean as in starting the karate chop on your hands and then going to your inner eyebrow, outer eyebrow, cheek, chin, nose, that type of thing. That's a round, right? Yeah. Exactly. So you'll do the yeah. karate chop just the first time in the beginning. You say that yeah. sentence three times and then you're done with the karate chop. Then you go into those points and it's um, the inner eye, outer, under the eye, nose, chin, okay. collarbone, under the arm, top of the head. And each time you do that, it is, yep. it's the round and you're just, right. gonna, and you just tap, just tap. And you can find, um, like, this is really easily searchable. Um, mm. you can find an image, uh, like if you just do a Google search of EFT, you'll see yeah. the points. Okay. Um, and again, what I love about the process is that once you learn the basic techniques, yeah, like you, you have this tool, you have this, um, you, this, um, yeah, tool that you can use anytime, any place. It's really great, actually. Um, it's awesome. I love using it for uh, coaches with when in working around success and clearing limiting beliefs. But it's really like its original design was intended for phobias, and so you know you can use it in the heat of the moment if you're finding yourself triggered by a situation. You know, you get into a fight with your spouse or. Mm. Um, you know, something you're, you're angry at a, an email that you got, you can tap on the anger, um, or the frustration and like clear Mm. that energy really quickly. And the studies, again, the studies are remarkable around this technique. They did one in particular that I, I like to reference because it speaks to how powerful it is. They, when they were, so the study had three different groups. They had a a test group that was doing an hour of EFT tapping. They had a test group that was doing an hour of traditional talk therapy. And then they had a test group that was doing nothing at all, nothing at all. And what they saw, the people that were in traditional talk therapy 
and the people that were doing nothing at all, they measured the levels of cortisol in the body before and after the hour. And they saw no difference between those two groups, people who were talking about their problems and talking about the fight that they had with their spouse and talking about this and that versus mm. the people who didn't do anything. There was no difference. The people who spent that hour tapping saw up to a 54% decrease in their cortisol levels. And we know the cortisol is mm. the stress response hormone. Um, just from one hour of yeah. tapping 54%, like, and I think like who among us wouldn't benefit from having that decrease mm. in cortisol. Cause again, like we're all living in a world where we're inundated constantly. And that stress response is activated for yeah. most of us, yeah. most of the time. When was the last time that you did tapping for yourself? I do it every day. So like, what's like one thing that you've done it on? Like a reason why you've done it recently. Hmm. So at this point in my life, I do it. I mean, well, I'll do it like I'm, you know, fighting with my kids, fighting with my partner. Yeah. Um, it's great for that. But I, I've incorporated it into my daily morning routine. Mm -hmm. So, um, so again, the work that I do, it's all around embodiment. So I do have a practice in the morning that um, includes breath work meditation and EFT. And so right now, what I personally am working on in, in my morning practice is again, that, that alignment. And I tap on my affirmations now. Yep. So, and sometimes, sometimes it'll come up where, you know, there's, there's something really big, there's something really pressing, um, something that I'm needing to heal and move through. Um, for me today, it's a lot more around the permission to, to own my, uh, you know, what I'm calling in at this phase of my life. Yeah. In the past, I did a lot of work with tapping around finances. Finance? And yeah, yep. finances and healing, healing my, my financial stories. And, um, you know, as I've made the various transitions in my life, um, I went through a divorce about four years ago, which had really significant financial uh, impacts for me mm. and brought up a lot of my older stories that I had to look at, uh, you know, for me, as I mentioned mm. a little, yep. little bit earlier, a big part of like why I went down the path that I did was um, because I, I wanted to change the story of where I came from. I didn't grow up with money. I grew up in a um, you know, a, a single mom who had, you know, alcoholism and drug addiction and was unemployed. And, um, there was a lot of trauma that I carried around finances. And, um, for me, I went again, like I said, I was young when I started my path and, and I had success very quickly and I did really, really well in my business. Um, and then through the course of my divorce and, and some of the deeper healing, I saw how so much of my quote unquote success was really ego driven. Yeah. And it was that, you know, that pendulum swinging, right? Like I came from such, um, you know, from a, a, a certain situation. And so I, I went the other way that I was going to have the success as a way to like prove something to the world. Mm -hmm. And then when I went through my divorce and it was like, everything was taken from me and I had to start over from scratch. It, it really showed me the gaps in my financial story that I needed to heal. And so I did a lot of tapping, um, around healing those, those very young wounds that I had with money. And how, like, how long are you for now each morning? Roughly how long do you tap for? Just a few minutes. Okay, so it doesn't take long. Not yeah. at all. Not at all. It's, you know, again, it's something of um, also like for me personally, it, it's, it, it's helpful because just the nature of who I am, um, I wake up with a lot of stress <laughs> yep. and um, I tend to be, I have a very active dream life and um, I don't know how like woo woo we can get here, but 
Um, I mean, there's some, there's like, no limits. No <laughs> limits on this show, Jane. <laughs> I, I hang out pretty far on the on a, on the continuum of like woo woo, and so there's yeah. a lot of work that happens for me energetically in my dream mm-hmm. life, yep. and so I tend to kind of like I wake up almost in a panic state most mornings, despite all of this work that I do, and mm-hmm. so for me, tapping is something that is really helpful to just get like grounded and 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 settle my my body um from from the get-go are you into the moon have i been to the moon sorry are you on the moon train no no on the moon train no what is the moon train well the moon like the the energy that the effect that the moon has on us that I am totally yes I am on the moon oh, you're on the moon <laughs> I mean I just made that up yeah so um, uh, well it may be actually I, I do know someone who's big in like the plant medicine world and he mm. he has a whole um journey with with the moon and the moon speaking to him he even has books of like what the moon has shared with him but I was like, oh, is there like someone else who's into the moon? Okay. Yeah no I'm, I've actually just got um I, I know James recommended that moonology book and I got that, mm-hmm. just got that. I'm reading it now, but something happened and, I, and I, I can't share it. I'll share with you privately, but I can't share with the audience. I'll have to, I will share with the audience. If, if everyone's yeah. like, why isn't he sharing? I will share with <laughs> you soon. Just can't yeah. share it now. So and they were like, what is this thing? I love uh, it. Way to some, keep them listening. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but something happened where it's like, oh my God, like this is proof that, the moon is having an effect, a physical effect on our, on us. And when mm-hmm. I had like, I'm like, oh, that's evidence. Cause I'd heard about it and things like that, but I'm like, uh, is it just like one of those things where like, you just, you're looking for something to believe in to help you get through your problems, your yeah. struggles and get where you want. So you believe in anything type thing, but there's something happened. And I'm like, that is evidence and proof that hundred percent. And then I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm jumping on this moon book that James has been talking about. So I, uh, I, and I've, I've probably read about a third of it in the last two days, but I'm on the moon train, Jen. So I I love, I mean, well, just think about it. I mean, you can look to the, like, just look to the oceans and the effect that the moon phases have on the tide. And Mm. you can see that it's very clearly, I mean, just simple gravitational pull, right? It's pulling the, the, the tides in a certain way and knowing how much of our body is water. Um, The thing that like, we wouldn't also be affected by that, I think Mm. is, um, you know, it, I think, I think this is something that, you know, as, as humans, we've, we've really spent so much time, um, you know, disconnecting from, uh, you know, from, from our bodies and, uh, and, and dismissing things like yeah. you know, the effects of the moon on, yeah. on our, just our physical symptoms. And I think it's really simple to just look to the natural world and see, uh, mm. just how connected and how affected we really are. hundred percent. Um, well, Jen, thank you so much for, uh, coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Anyone yeah. listening to this, where can they find you? They want to know more where they, where can they yeah, find so, you? So definitely Instagram, I think was the, the best place to find me. And my handle is Dr. Dr. Period. Jen with two N's. Chrisman. And Dr. for all Jim the Aussies Chrisman. listening to this, a period is a full stop. We call periods full stop. <laughs> it was a little bit weird when I was learning what period meant because obviously period to us is a womanly thing. So we're like, I'm like, well, oh, that's so funny. So full stop Aussies. Uh, thanks, Jen. What if we just really said Dr. Dot Jen Chrisman? Yes. How's that? <laughs> Dr. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks for coming on. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please, I really, really appreciate it if you leave me a review. And you can also find me on Instagram at Luke underscore page.